0: Cinnamon, gonna run to gonna run to How to dream, cowboys. Welcome back to the HBO Boys Podcast. Today we're kicking off a new show, the cosmic horror slash 1960s throwback sci-fi. Horror. This show is hard to describe. Show, Lovecraft County, L- L- Lovecraft County on HBO.
1: Should we just stop the podcast now? <laughs> just end it, honestly. End the whole show? Yeah, no, we should just be done. Okay. Put it in the can.
0: All right. Good idea. Nice working with yes. you.
1: It was, it's been fun, James. But now we have to go. Also, by the way, my name is Ryan, and I agree with you. It's hard to describe because the show is not based off of something that Lovecraft wrote specifically. It's based off a 2016 novel by a dude named Matt Ruff, whom set out to write a novel where he was just like, hey, Lovecraft made a bunch of scary characters, scary monsters, but do you know what's even scarier than not real monsters? Racism.
0: So even for, like, the early 20th century, H.P. Lovecraft was, like, an extremely racist and xenophobic and misogynistic person he uh basically you know the whole idea of like this cosmic horror and fear of the unknown in many cases was like a metaphor for you know black people or asian people or catholics (laughs) like right
1: anyone who was not him he was in modern terms can be described as a racist dick bag but to be to be fair eh, it's there's no real to be fair there but tbf by the end of his life he was like you know what guys i might have fucked up
0: right at, at the very end of his life he was like oh, maybe i was wrong about that stuff that i was so devoted to
1: <laughs> and eh, he was dead so that's positive for i guess if you didn't like him he wasn't incredibly popular as a writer during the time he was alive.
0: No, and he, in his personal life, he was also, like, a miserable person who had nothing and nobody, so... Uh, it's, it's, you know... Then this comes up in the show about, like, oh, should we separate the the author from his work? I am a huge fan of H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, I don't condone certain poems that he wrote or certain names that he gave his cat, but... <laughs> nope.
1: Mm-mm. All the poem, the cat all with one particular word that is not cool.
0: I do. I have a hardcover copy of uh, the, the complete works of H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, the poem didn't make it in, <laughs> thankfully. Well,
1: yeah, so not exactly complete now, is it?
0: But, I mean, all his works are the public domain now, so you could go and just Google it, you know. I'm cool. I'm just gonna watch this show. But yeah, Lovecraft, it's still, there's there's three masters of horror, right? And the first is uh, Edgar Allan Poe, and the third is Stephen King, and the second is H.P. Lovecraft. And he's, as we said, probably a deeply problematic person who, if on Twitter, would be cancelled immediately. But... It's hard to deny he's a really good writer. Go read the first paragraph of Call of Cthulhu. It's some really excellent writing. And this is something that people have been grappling with for a long time. And it's even addressed in, like, the very beginning of the show. It's like, well, and then they're talking about John Carter. It, it's an interesting topic. And, and what I like about that is that, you know, H.P. Lovecraft, for him, the, the scary cosmic horror was, like, a metaphor for, like, an Italian person. <laughs> but, like... In this show, they kind of flip it around, and, like, you know, the metaphor, the, the cosmic horror is is racism and man's brutality against man, or whatever.
1: Or whatever. To get some uh, housekeeping out of the way before we get into the actual show, by the way, we are the HBO Boys, Boys of the Z. If you've never heard us before, we've done... Shows like Watchmen, Game of Thrones Season 8, we just got done doing Perry Mason, we have a large back catalog, 100 plus episodes, plus a Patreon at patreon.com slash HBO boys with a Z, where we have bonus content for $1 a month, you get two extra bonus podcasts a month, and now we're doing Lovecraft Country, which I think it will be interesting to separate the show from the context of the show, and perhaps the show won't allow us to do that, Right? Because the show is like, you no, know, the context matters. But also, monsters.
0: Right, well, it's an interesting blend of, you could say, like, modern genre of, like, social issues. But then also, like, that that's a part of it. But t- towards the end, it's mostly just, like, there's some kind of Lovecraftian mystery going on. So it, it's, as I said, a blend. Also, it's I think it's
1: hard not to say and mention, HBO had... A large amount of money being funneled into Game of Thrones. And then Game of Thrones went away. And they keep hitting balls out of the park with follow-up shows that are obviously not as popular. But, I mean, they just did, in a row, Watchmen. The Mark Ruffalo one that I didn't watch but I heard was good. Perry Mason, which was great, by the way. If y'all haven't watched Perry Mason, you should try it. And now the first episode of Lovecraft. Which, by the way, uh, this is a spoiler alert, but I loved it a lot. I don't know how HBO keeps getting away with having the best music on television by far, but they do. That's what stood out to me actually the most. Can we, let's just get into talking about the show. Oh, also, before, one more thing. The, this is a recap and review podcast, okay? The people on the iTunes, there was one person on iTunes that I've been thinking about most of the time in which, that I'm awake That was just like, they explain and recap the show. And I don't like that. Just don't talk about the show. Just talk about how you feel.
0: No. (laughs) Yeah, uh, if if you don't want to hear the show recapped, skip to the last 15 minutes where we'll just be talking about our feelings about it. Or just don't. Just like, go for the ride with us. You guys dang dicks. So the show opens with a bizarre dream sequence. It's uh, the main character, Tick is dreaming about a battle that he fought in in the Korean War, but then that's also interspliced with flying saucers and the Martian tripods from War of the Worlds, and sexy red alien chick comes down, and then they get attacked by a a horror, but he's saved by Jackie Robinson. So you can see these are the kind of things that are on Tick's mind. His time in Korea, the science fiction genre that he loves so much, and apparently he's a baseball fan.
1: The horror was actually Cthulhu, and... You're right. Jackie Robinson smashed Cthulhu with a baseball bat twice. And I would, whatever that the show was in the first minute of it, I know it was, you know, like a dream and not real. But whatever that show was, make that show too. I want to see that one.
0: So our main character, Tick, he's a sci-fi loving veteran of the Korean War who is returning to his hometown of Chicago after living in segregated Florida. And he's come to search for his missing father, who he uh, received a letter from. A mysterious letter. He is on
1: the bus home, and then the bus breaks down. And while everyone else on the bus gets to take a truck into town, him and the other black woman who was on said bus has to walk because racism.
0: And they have a conversation about the novel that he's reading, which is one of the John Carter series. And, you know, apparently John Carter... Was The character was an officer in the Confederacy, and uh, his traveling companion, she's like, oh, well, I, I I wouldn't want to read that book then, because, you know, he's a, a bad man. And and Tick makes the argument that, like, yeah, you know, art and authors can be problematic, but that doesn't mean that you can't still enjoy them and take something out of it. And this is an interesting argument. And that's, I, I think, probably, like, the authorial intent about, like, his opinion on Lovecraft in general, right? Cause, like. Right. Lovecraft had some pretty terrible views and, and, you know, he, he wrote some really interesting, uh, horror stories. And, and maybe when he wrote them, the metaphor that he was doing was like, he walked through Chinatown and it was the scariest thing that ever happened in his life. And then he wrote, went and wrote, uh, the Dunwich Horror. (laughs) Jesus. But, is that conjecture by you? I'm just making a joke here, but I mean, that is, that's. Okay.
1: Yeah, Yeah, he's talking about John Carter, but he's obviously not talking about John Carter. He's talking about H.P. Lovecraft himself, and then the woman who is walking with him is just like, yeah, no, dude still sucks. I don't care if he's the hero. You can't be a hero once you're that big of an asshole.
0: Well, and it's an interesting conversation, right? And I'm interested to hear what you have to think about this idea of separating the art from the artist, right? Because Robert Frost, amazing poet, the road less traveled. Looking at uh, a house in the middle of the woods at night, right? Great poems. Was Robert Frost a serial killer? No, well, he was, you know, writing these lovely poems and then at night, you know, terrorizing his children and wife and beating the shit out of them. And a bad guy. Cool, cool. But, like, can we still enjoy the poetry? Should we feel guilty about that? Or should we just try to, like, you know, criticize him while enjoying the poems? Well, let's keep talking about the
1: show, and perhaps the rest of the first episode will give some context to that, (laughs) and then we can revisit said conversation at the end.
0: Tick gets to Chicago. His father and his uncle are auto mechanics, but they also moonlight as writers for a black travel magazine, a guide to where you can go in pre-civil rights America as a black traveler and not be mistreated.
1: Incredibly cool idea. I hope that is real. I hope, like, just good looking out for your fellow man trying not to get them murdered
0: out in the unfortunately violent world. Tick has a clue to his father's whereabouts in a letter, the mysterious letter that he got. In the letter, Tick's father said that he found out something important about Tick's mother's secret family lineage. And he wants them to go together to Ardham, Massachusetts. But his dad waited around for him and eventually left and has been gone for two weeks.
1: Tick's Uncle George remarks that the letter's writing does not sound like Montrose, Tick's father. And as a side note, Arkham Asylum is named after the fictional town. Like like Batman's Arkham Asylum Mm -hmm. is named after the fictional town that Lovecraft made. And I I just like the throughput there.
0: Right, but they're in Illinois right now, and all of H.P. Lovecraft's stories take place in Maine and Massachusetts and Connecticut and New Hampshire, and so they have- Lovecraft country. Yes, the New England, the best England. I'm not going to argue with you there, just based on, like,
1: we're both from New England, so, hometown
0: heroes. Tick goes to his dad's favorite dive bar, where he picks up the information that his dad was last seen leaving town in a fancy silver roadster belonging to an unknown rich white dude.
1: He picks up said information from a dude who is just getting his dick sucked behind the bar and who also owns the bar. That guy, he's fucking right on, dude. That guy, he's doing what he fucking wants.
0: That night, the whole neighborhood revels in this huge block party and on stage, there's a musical performance and we're introduced to Letty, who is the female lead of the show and is just also now returning home from traveling across the country she
1: joins her sister ruby on stage and sings they're both very good singers ruby is played by one mimosaku mosaku and leticia is played by juicy smollett's sister sadly she has a career but she's uh, she's just gonna be known for the near future as jussie smollett's sister Did you guys you know what he did you know, are you aware of what that they
0: did? Right. Well, he either was a victim of a hate crime or perpetrated a hoax in order to seem like a victim of a hate crime. And uh, I don't, I don't think that's
1: uh, either or anymore. I think it was proven to be not so, not so real.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm not too. I, I I heard about that case as it was coming out, and it's like, oh, how horrible. No, man. You got to watch the Dave Chappelle you got to watch the Dave Chappelle bit about it. Okay. Later on, Tick and his Uncle George discuss this mysterious town of Ardham, Massachusetts. It's too small to be listed anywhere on the map, but they do find that it's somewhere in the rural Devon County, Massachusetts. Tick decides he's going to go searching for his father, but his Uncle George insists that it could be dangerous and that they should go together and they will travel in his wood-paneled sedan, Old Woody.
1: I love that goddamn car. And as it turns out, Letty is run out of money. And so she needs a ride to her brother's house. So she's going to go on the first leg of said trip with Tick and George.
0: I just love wood paneled cars. I just think that. Looks oh, my cool. God.
1: So good. I know. The moment I saw it, there's a there's a Jeep, an uh, old Jeep Grand Cherokee in town with wood sides. And every time I see them, like, God damn, that is some sexy
0: wood. Tick retires to his father's bedroom where he places an international call to Korea. A woman answers, but Tick can't bring himself to speak. He's, he's like, on the phone and he's moving his lips but not saying anything. It kind of reminds me of uh, the wife character in Mystic River. Like, she's, like, trying to say something but can't. And then uh, she gives him a cryptic message. You went home, but you shouldn't have. Oh, fun. A mystery. And you went home, but you shouldn't have. That's that's the feeling I have whenever I go to America from Korea, and then I look at my credit card statement.
1: Oh, that's fun.
0: That's a joke. But,
1: <laughs> I, is it, or are you poor?
0: The next poor day, I our did. characters set out together for a cross-country trip to Massachusetts. Letty is coming with them. She's going to hitch a ride halfway, because... Uh, She couldn't find a place to stay with her sister, her sister didn't want to stay with her, so she's going to go stay with her brother, Marvin. We get a driving montage of them going through the Midwest, and they're given several stark reminders of, you know, what race relations were like in pre-civil rights America. At one point, they're stopping for gas, and they get harassed by some Opie, who's like, you know, probably trying to start a fight with them. And Tick almost does fight him, but then Letty talks him out of it.
1: Yeah, there's a voiceover throughout this montage, which is a speech by James Baldwin, and the speech comes from a legendary 1965 debate between Baldwin and William F. Buckley, a conservative. The debate was called, The American Dream is at the Expense of the American Negro Yes or No, which, by the way, when I got to this part of the show, I just kind of stopped it and I went to YouTube and I watched the entire 50 minutes of debate.
0: Well, it's interesting you say that because like unrelated to this, uh, that I just watched that debate. It was like someone posted it to Facebook like last month or whatever. And I just recently watched the whole thing. Right.
1: I had also watched parts of said debate. It was a very popular video for about a month there uh, in all of America and I believe the world. Also, by the way, as they're driving, you see signs that are... They're called sunset signs. It says something to the effect of don't let the sun set on your ass if you are a particular uh, race. And I. I saw the sign, I was like, that's awful. But also, by the way, I saw a sign like that like a decade ago in Alabama. Like No way. Wow. Yeah, straight up. It was on the <laughs> Florida Alabama line. It's they still very much exist. And I was like and when I did see it, I was just an old, old enough I was in you know my low twenties I was like, that is fucked up. Let's keep on driving.
0: They stop in a town called Summersville because in the guide they say there's a diner here named Lydia, which is safe for black patrons. But when they arrive, there's clearly been a name change and a change in ownership. It is now the Simonsville Diner. Letty, going to the bathroom, overhears their waiter calling some local good old boys to come down and kill them. So they pile back into the car and speed off just as a truck full of hicks arrive with their guns drawn. Tick mentions to George,
1: hey, remind me why the White House is white? And George is like, oh, it's because they had to cover up the fire. And Tick is like, "Mm mm-hmm hmm at which point Letty comes running out saying something to the effect of, we gotta get the fuck out of here, and they drive off into the day being chased by a truck, and a dude's lay out the top of the truck with what seems like a sniper rifle.
0: A huge car chase ensues, and the rednecks are gaining on them, when a silver roadster pulls off of another road, cuts in front of the pickup, And then, without touching it, somehow hurls it into the air, flipping the car over, ending the car chase. And a strange blonde woman steps out of the roadster and, like, looks longingly at Tick, but he urges Letty for them to drive off.
1: So, a few things. One, the last car that Tick's father was seen in was a silver roadster, much like that one. Two... Okay, I, so I know who that lady is, and it's going to become apparent next episode, so I'm just going to talk about it. Okay. That is Christina Brathwaite, and she is one of the main characters of our story. And in the book, she was a dude named Caleb, but a white man has been changed to being a white lady who drives this silver car that we will f- later find out
0: also took Tick's father. And and may have some kind of powerful psychic abilities.
1: Uh, Some, yeah, like a force field, like the spaceships in Independence Day.
0: They arrive at Letty's brother Marvin's house. He's also a writer for the guide, and he gives them some information he was able to come up about Devon County. The area is apparently beset by a lot of dangerous local wildlife, and is ruled over by a tyrannical and corrupt local sheriff, who basically runs the whole town and has had several... Complaints lodged against him by the NAACP.
1: Perfect. Good stuff. Going into the Lions, then. I'm so glad that we're going to be very safe. I just know it.
0: That night, Letty and Marvin have a huge screaming match about how Letty abandoned her family and couldn't even make it to her mother's funeral. And she's constantly needing money from her siblings, but she doesn't really have anything to show for it. And Letty argues back that she's been traveling the country trying to do civil rights work, and she uses the money to, like, bail her friends out of jail when they're arrested for protesting. And it's just a huge screaming match, during which Tick and George both step outside, and Tick confronts his Uncle George about his silent complicity in his father's abusive upbringing.
1: So there's a lot of exposition dump in this, like, three or four minutes, and one of said pieces of exposition was George calls home... To his wife, Hippolyta, whom earlier, before they left, asked if she could go out on the next travel guide mission. And he was like, I don't know if that's a great idea. But on this phone call, George is like, maybe in the next mission, me and you go together. And she is psyched about that.
0: Right, and they share a tender moment. And I was like, God, George, you shouldn't share which a tender one of them's moment dead? On, <laughs> on HBO.
1: Yeah, which one of them is dead? I know one of them has to die now. Marvin, while yelling at Letty, throws something in her face that Ruby also did, which is that Letty missed her mother's funeral. We also learned that Letty doesn't have a wonderful relationship with her now deceased mother. And as you said, Tick is like, hey, George, you're great but also, you didn't do enough. And his, he, his, uh, George was like, oh, you didn't... He said, you didn't do enough, George, but also, you know, my dad sucks. He never wrote me while I was in Korea. He didn't care. And George was like, yo, he was at my house all the time. He never asked about you, but he wouldn't leave until I told him about you. He does care. He's
0: just weird. And And George sets tick off when he's like, oh, well, he, he, like, makes an excuse for his father. He's like, well, your dad had a hard life. You know, our dad used to abuse him, too. And maybe I should have done more to stop him. And then Tick's like, yeah, you, you also should have done more to stop my dad from abusing me. And George doesn't really have a, a reply to that.
1: No, how could ya?
0: So Letty is not welcome to stay at Marvin's house. And so she continues on with them to Devon County. When they get there, they're searching for a road into Ardum, which they cannot find, and they are stopped by the very racist and corrupt sheriff, who threatens to kill them if they're not out of Devon County by sundown. Another tense car chase ensues, where he's, like, kind of bumping their back fender, and they make it out of the county line just in time, but they run straight into a police barricade.
1: Oh my God! Which is so frustrating. It was like a slow twenty-five mile per hour car chase as they got out of the sundown county. But sadly for them, Massachusetts is like a sundown state as a whole.
0: Well, now it was a do as a trick. The the sheriff wanted to chase them out into the wilderness where they he could you know take them into the woods and summarily execute them.
1: Sure. Also, this is a good moment to point out that. The book Matt Ruff wrote has a very specific conceit to it, which is H.P. Lovecraft made all these terrible scary monsters, but the most scary parts of my book and now translated to the show, the most scary parts of the show are going to be the 25 mile per hour car chases where a white racist sheriff is chasing a car full of black people. Like, its it doesn't matter how much, how many eyes a monster has, the racism in the show will be scarier. Which is, I think, incredibly interesting.
0: The sheriff and his deputies take the main characters out in the woods at gunpoint. Always a good sign. They accuse them of being thieves on their way to Burgle, the residents of Devon County. And they're about to straight up kill them out there in the woods when they are attacked by several, like, chittering, fleshy, multiple-eyed horrors. Shogoth. Shogoth.
1: Yeah, that, whatever. I mean, they, it's a literal D&D monster at this point.
0: And these monsters just start ripping into the cops. Our main characters are spared because they're, like, on the ground. And the monsters are, like, jumping up and down and biting people's heads and arms off. And the sheriff gets his arm ripped off. And Hilarious. The characters have to run away into this abandoned shack. But they accidentally leave George behind. But George is able to make it there, too, because he thinks he because he was holding a flashlight. And these monsters are nocturnal and afraid of light. So
1: in the shack now is Tick, Letty, and George, plus the sheriff and one of his men. The sheriff is missing a entire arm and is talking in a very weird, low voice. But they realize that they're just going to get eaten in this place, so they send Letty out, running to the car to get flares and, ho- and headlights. And, and as she leaves... They turn back, and the sheriff starts to turn. And the man's missing a shoulder. and sounds like a demon, and he should be shot immediately.
0: The deputy can't bring himself to shoot the sheriff, and he gets his jaw ripped open.
1: I think Bob Marley wrote a song about this.
0: Just as Letty arrives with old Woody and turns the lights on the house, which scatters the monsters, our characters are able to escape the sheriff, and they have these flares, and they have flashlights. And they're able to ward off the monsters and then save their own lives. And I got to say, so there's a lot of serious social commentary and and very dramatic themes in this show. But there's also very like you know exciting and and moments of levity to yep. th- that the show the thing that kept coming back to my mind was like this feels like a early two thousands adventure flick like the Mummy or something like that
1: yes it oh my god i'm so glad you brought up the mummy the mummy is so good but i agree there are moments we talked about independence day earlier like it has a essence of independence day speed the mummy like there are moments of satisfaction that are just that we talked about this a lot during perry mason where perry mason was a long long build and then Slowly but surely, the bowling pins would be knocked down one by one, and the audience would feel satisfaction. This show is not that way. You meet the sheriff, you're like, fuck that guy, that guy sucks. And not five minutes later, his arm is being chewed off, and then he is shot in the face. And you're like, that is sick, I'm glad that happened.
0: And the characters are not the type where, like, you know, something horrible happens and and it, you know, destroys them or whatever. They always kind of bounce back. Which might be somewhat unrealistic, but that's like your adventure movie characters, basically. It's like, oh, we just saw horrible monsters and a man be eaten alive. But we made it. Now it's time to to, to share a laugh.
1: (laughs) Right. We're cool about it. And as they leave the shack and the day overtakes the night, the three intrepid adventurers are walking soaked in blood. They see a covered bridge, which is very New England. And obviously it's the bridge to Artem. And as they go into Artem, there's like a a title over the screen with a map in the background. And I love that shit. I fucking love maps. So every time those things happen, when they enter a new town and there's a map in the background, the map nerd in me is like,
0: fuck, yeah. Look at those lines of delineation. Fuck. Oh,
1: that's sexy as fuck. Oh my, wait. Florida is straight up a dick on this map. This is amazing.
0: They arrive at a giant palatial mansion, so we're just, like, ticking Lovecraft trope boxes. Big fucking house. They're greeted by a, it's like a a fancily dressed but, like, dead-eyed white dude who's like, Ah, Atticus, so good to see you. We've been expecting you. Right.
1: He literally opens the door as they're about to knock. The silver car is out front. We've been expecting you, Mr. Friedman. Just like, okay guys are creepy as shit let's get into it
0: and that's where the episode ends and yeah like you i'm really into this i am a huge hp lovecraft fan i also like you know i like any kind of timepiece fiction so setting into the 60s is also very interesting is it the 60s or the late 50s when does this take place in the 50s
1: yeah it's the 50s and also by the way like we didn't even talk about at the beginning this show is run by misha green Who is 35 years old. Does that make you feel bad? It makes me feel bad. Because I am close to that and I am not doing as well. She was a writer on Spartacus. She was a creator of the show Underground. She was a staff writer on Sons of Anarchy. And she now has two films in the future. One called The Mother and one called Cleopatra Jones. She is the showrunner on this. The producers are Jordan Peele. And Misha Green, and also, by the way, J.J. Abrams,
0: right? Who's a producer on Westworld, which is the show we got our start covering.
1: That's where we started our clout chasing, and now we're here.
0: So yeah, I got it. as you said, the music is great, the performances are great, the visuals are great, the effects look good. They don't look cheesy. If there was one place I would ding this show, oh my god, you have qualms. It would be there's, and maybe this is just going to be an episode one thing. A lot of like hammy dialogue where it's like you know. If Ryan and I were in a scene, I'd be like, oh, if it isn't my old schoolboy friend Ryan, who uh, I worked with on many creative collaborations, how is your managing business and long-term See? romantic relationship? No. And then you'd be like, ah, oh, yes, James, my friend who left America nearly a decade ago. How is your young family and career in education?
1: <laughs> yes, which, by the way, I'm fine with. You even said it's it's like The Mummy. It has moments in time that feel like 90s action flicks which are not known for their immensely complicated and prose-like dialogue right they gets the story out so a cool thing can happen and you can be like that thing that happened was pretty cool and i like that like as long as it's not very stupid where it's like eye-rolly and i didn't roll my eyes all that many times but i i it doesn't feel like it's gonna be an uh, episode one thing James. I feel like that's got part of the DNA of the show. Okay. And just some,
0: you know, scenes like that. Uh, like, okay. Disappointment. The, the uh, Like in Futurama, the robot devil's like, you can't just have your characters say what they feel. That makes me feel angry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll I'll tell you.
1: I'll say, like, so in the book, the book is like eight short stories that all intermingle with each other. And so this first episode was just like the first half of the first short story and this doesn't have by the way have anything to do with the sentence you just said i just wanted to talk about it because i'm just very interested in how much of the book's architecture
0: they're going to keep Do you know what i mean mm-hmm. well I, I i haven't read the book uh, i've read a lot of i haven't either. Uh, i probably read all of, of of lovecraft's horror and i've read some like contemporary you know, there's like a whole genre of Lovecraft fiction. I, I recently read one called The Fisherman from 2016. Very good book if anybody wants to read a piece of contemporary Lovecraft horror without the racial antagonism. Hmm.
1: Well, I'll, I'll tell you. So the initial idea for Lovecraft Country podcast done by the HBO boys was that I was not actually going to be on this podcast. I was just going to wait a month for Raised by Wolves, the Ridley Scott vehicle that is coming out on HBO, and you were going to do a single show, but I watched the episode and I was like, oh, fuck yeah, no, I got to do this show. This show is so good. And so I didn't have like an emotional attachment or a narrative attachment to it prior to watching the actual show. So I looked up the summary of all the chapters of the book and I know the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. So I wonder just as a person who Read the spark notes in five minutes about the entire book. I wonder how close it will be to. Like, I didn't earn this at all. Uh, so fuck me, I guess.
0: Yeah, going forward, I am interested. In, oh, I, I'm, I'm hoping to see uh, maybe in the next episode, Tick's father, the actor that plays Tick's father, Michael K. Williams, is Omar from The Wire. An amazing Yes, show.
1: dude. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so I, I hope he's a big character, but we'll see.
1: I, I would have to assume that he is. I assume that the Christina Brathwaite, it's not Brathwaite. I want to say Brathwaite, but it's not. It's literally Brathwaite. The last name, half of the last name is just the word white, which feels purposeful. She's obviously going to be a large character. We didn't talk a whole lot about Hippolyta in this episode. George's wife, she, I assume, is also going to be. A large character because an entire chapter of the book is just about her story and there are a whole lot of people on this imdb that we have not even met yet and by the way what's that korean mystery story that's just in the background
0: yeah well there's a lot uh, of places this could go i I, this is going to be a season one this is not a miniseries so i assume it will not follow the book too closely because the book has an ending right so Right.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if they'll stretch it and just do the first quarter or the first half of the book and then hope for the best. I mean, the day after the Perry Mason pilot aired on Reddit, the thread about said episode had like seven comments on it. And it took until the end of Perry Mason's first season where they decided enough people were watching it where it went from a miniseries to... To an actual full first season of a show where they're going to make a second season and they've already renewed it. Where there were over like eight or nine hundred comments about the episode on Reddit the day after. Lovecraft Country, the Reddit thread had a thousand, like twelve hundred comments
0: right. on day any, one. Any Anything Lovecraft or Cthulhu are, comes with a built-in following.
1: Right. So a lot of people watched Lovecraft Country Right at the beginning. And so, and that's why I saw the number of comments. I was like, I can't let James get all the clout.
0: (laughs) Well, here's something. So Ryan and I, I, well, I assume Ryan and our group of friends back in America without me, because I don't live there, have a long running D&D campaign that I assume is probably over thanks to coronavirus. Eh, It's not over. It's taking a hiatus. Okay. Well, something I've always wanted to do was to run a campaign of the tabletop Call of Cthulhu game, which is, you know, similar to Dungeons & Dragons, except, you know, it takes place in the 20th century, and you've got guns instead of magic, and and, sure. and cults and horror instead of goblins and dragons, right? We should try that out someday in the future. Heck, wouldn't that oh, be fun?
1: yes. <laughs> You're just pitching that to me. Yeah, no, no, that's great. <laughs> yeah, just uh, Just tell, generally, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just in general. Tell everybody what in that campaign... That is still kind of going on. It's it's towards the end, but that, what is your name in that campaign? Tell everybody.
0: Well, at the D camp, D campaign, oh, whenever getting real off topic, I'm a I'm a I'm a gnome bard named Brimble Button Toes. <laughs> but I'm just a recurring character because uh, I I live in Korea, so. If I'm around when you guys are playing a game, I might step I, in. I,
1: no, no, I just wanted you to say the name. I like that name so goddamn much.
0: All right, guys. Well, uh, thanks for listening. We're looking forward to recapping and reviewing the rest of the show. Uh, before we move on, Ryan, I believe the show will run into uh, right, the other show. So Raised what, are Wolves. we going to do two shows or
1: what? We're going to sure as fuck try, James. Let's go see. When does Raised by Wolves premiere? Like, okay. So, first week of
0: September, I think.
1: Yeah, September 3rd. Th- 3rd, which is a which is a Thursday. Okay, so Raised by Wolves is going to be a Thursday night show, and this is the Sunday night show. This is the main show, Lovecraft Country, that is on... If I was Ridley Scott, I'd be pissed about that, but that's a name. That's a, whatever. Yeah, so I guess perhaps we will try to do two shows at once. Wow, that's Fuck. a first. That... Seems like it will be difficult. We will try our best.
0: Yeah, and uh, if you're new to the show, thanks for joining us. We hope you had some fun. Everybody listening, thank you. It means a lot if you are just listening. If you'd like to go the extra mile, you can leave us reviews on the relevant podcast apps. We just got a bad one, so you can offset it with a Terrible. good one. Please go as a five-star
1: review on iTunes. I am reeling.
0: You can follow us on Twitter. He's at Westworld Ryan. I'm at James Watch's Men. Uh, that sounds Amazing. like Hilarious. it was related to when we recapped Watchmen, but that's actually a, a separate nope. thing uh, out of my own time.
1: Just a very specific <laughs> fetish.
0: You can also, if you really like the show, if you enjoy Ryan and I, you can pitch us a dollar or more on Patreon. I'll get you two bonus episodes a month.
1: Our patrons, by the way, are Branko, Hardboiled Greg, Nicole, Day 11 Podcast, James Watch My Dong.
0: You got it, buddy. I'm watching right now with binoculars through your window. I don't, I, I, I'm pretty sure we don't live in the same country, but don't worry about it.
1: You know what they call the hobby of watching things with binoculars, James?
0: Voyeurism? <laughs>
1: No, it's called
0: glassin', but... Okay, well, that's what I call my hobby. Never mind. Yeah,
1: that's a good point. Hello, underscore, yo, James, Christopher, Atheist is Unstoppable, Chris Wood, Brent Ginn, Day11, Westerl Kayla Andreas, Craig, Bagaman, John Jers, and Major Woody. Thank you very much for the money. I recently put up a YouTube video reacting to the Raised by Wolves trailer on the Patreon, so that is up there. And uh, I'm sure we'll put other stuff up there. Sounds like something... That we would do.
0: Yeah, and uh, and before we close out the show, it's worth pointing out uh, Lovecraft Country Season 1, Episode 1, no DONGs. Just putting that out there. No. Not a single dog, Dick. Give the people context, James. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, Ryan and I are astounded by the HBO phenomenon of, of breaking ground in showing DONGs on, on premium cable and how they're really pioneers in that. And so we keep a running tally of how many DONGs come out per show. Westworld Season 3 had, what, like two DONGs? And then Perry Mason had either one or two, depending on your outlook.
1: Depending on whether you think a dead DONG is a DONG. But yes, this is hashtag DONG Watch 2020. Currently zero DONGs in Lovecraft Country. And, you know, in other shows, like, Perry Mason had murder, and there were the racial tensions and sexist tensions, and... But it just didn't it didn't feel as poignant, you know, because it was the 30s. And, and counting dongs felt like something that was, um,
0: didn't feel gross. I, we'll see about this show, because... <laughs> well, let me tell you, let me tell you, 2019 was a banner year for Dong Watch. Uh, Watchmen was just dongs Plenty.
1: That's true. Dr. Manhattan, he was hanging dong the whole time.
0: So join us here next week. <laughs> That's when- the end. When okay we re- we recap and review Lovecraft Country seasons two, Whitey's on the nope. moon, season what? Ep- episode two. <laughs> there you go. Whitey's on the moon. We're Whitey's on the moon. We carry the- our harpoons. No, what? that's that's whalers on the moon. I'm just doing marathoning Futurama references now.
1: Whitey's on the moon is the actual name.
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. Oh, the first episode's name was Sundown. The JFK's like, "We will have whiteies on the moon by the end of the decade." <laughs> and on that somber note. Yeah, I'm James
1: and I'm Ryan, and this has been the Lovecraft Country Season 1 Episode 1 podcast. Please come back for the second one and leave a nice comment about us on the iTunes review. My I need my I receive all of my value personally. From iTunes.
0: Validate Ryan for the love of God. Thank Christ.
1: I really need it. So uh,
0: okay. Bye.
1: (laughs)